Dear Diary, Making the decision to immigrate to Calgary felt like I was placing an Amazon order for freedom, endless possibilities, social security, and a beautiful world of seamlessly integrated multiculturalism. Only instead of autofilling my credit card information, clicking buy now and receiving my package the next day, I spent months filling out paperwork and acquiring various documentations. And I spent years waiting for my visa. And when my metaphorical package finally did arrive, it wasn't exactly what I ordered. We're Onya and Tomi, and on Diary of a Niger Immigrant, we're talking about what happens after you buy that one-way ticket. We'll chat with guests and hear their immigration stories. We'll commiserate, celebrate wins, and gossip about recent microaggressions. Buckle up, y'all. This is part two of my conversation with Wumi. If you missed part one, be sure to check that out first and then join us back here. Let's get to it. I'm very curious. How did you, how were you able to find your voice hmm. in like even in the middle and in the midst of adversity and being different? Hmm. How and why were you able to find your voice? I've always been outspoken as a child. I was the child that would just tell things how it is and get in trouble with adults because they're like, you're not supposed to talk like that, you know? So I've always been like that. Um, when I see any type of um, issues, I, I, I talk about it. So it came with me coming to Canada. I didn't know who I was going to meet or how they're going to receive me, but I came with that same attitude. And being Nigerian, we are, I don't know if it's like an infusion of just your nationality, like you are smart, you do your best, you, you know, you're Nigerian, you came from this land, you, you know, you know, you have to go out and do great exploits. Like it's just ingrained in us from just, you know, you know, going to school and lining up and reciting all the national anthems and everything that they have to, you know, bring to you to be able to recite prior to you going to school. You already have that infused in you. So I, I already knew who I was. I already knew what made me important not just my family, but where I came from, originated from. So coming into Canada, I I, I, I was ready. Whatever was going to come and meet me, I was ready for it. Um, fact that you could call your teachers by their first name was weird. You know, <laughs> back in Nigeria, as Mr. Badmoss, so, yeah. right? So now, you, you know, Kelly, James, and you're like, mm, that doesn't sit with me. So mm-hmm. you, you try to confirm but you, you can't conform because of the fact that you already been instilled that respect your elders right mm-hmm. so yeah those type of things were um really um difficult to be able to change your mm-hmm. your the way your mindset was but um the adversities that I faced was just racism. A lot of um, mostly white kids would tell me, you know, you're a monkey, go back to where you came from. You're, you're not joking. Here. Like no. you actually heard those things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They call mm. me the N-word. And I'm like, what is this? Like, so, look, you're not even from this country. You migrated here of too. Of course, yeah. This country was stolen from the indigenous people. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? You go back to your country, mm-hmm. right? And it, they would look at me like, oh, this girl's not backing down. And then I mm-hmm. became like the advocate for others who were being bullied too, that came from China or India. I spoke out for them too, just for them to be empowered. So I don't think, you know, it's something that was a one-off. It's just who I am. You know, bravery is something that we were just being instilled to do and be. Um, so being an advocate now for the arts, it didn't make it, I, I, didn't, I didn't look at it as something of, oh, my goodness, I just started. I've been doing it since. I used the arts to be able to help support who I was by performing 
creating choreographies by myself and performing in front of like 300, 400 people in the, in the gym and allowing them to be able to watch me. And then after that, speaking to them bravely and letting them know this is what I'm doing, mm. you know, and that's at the age of 10. And now I'm in my 40s. It has groomed. It has been more polished. It has been more um, streamlined. And using the vehicle as Ways of Africa to do that has been just such a blessing. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm like, I'm, I'm so proud. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so proud of like listening to you talk and everything. Like you didn't cower down, even like you didn't back down. No. Even in the face of people calling you those kind of names, like I can't imagine that if. If it was me, like how I would feel. It's still happening. Yeah, it, it still happens. Still... Well, people are not vocal about it. They will just look at you funny. Mm. Or maybe you go for a job interview and they're like, mm, I don't like that. This person is not. Maybe you send your, like it has happened to me before. Mm. I sent my resume and they're like, wow, this person has all of this. You've achieved all of this. Wow. Mm. We can't wait to meet you. And then you finally meet me and you're like, I don't like the way she talks. Why does she talk like this? Or she doesn't really fit in here. Mm. Because she's like, how do you want me? Like, I already feel different. Mm -hmm. How can you help me fit in? Mm. It might not be your job, but at the same time, it's also your job. Because, mm -hmm. like, this is an alien environment yes. for me. And I'm trying to cope with so many other things. But, like, at the same time, I feel different. Because I'm the only, I'm obviously different mm -hmm. from every other person mm -hmm. here. So how do I, like, how do I insert myself yeah. properly, right? And without being too much. Because yeah. we're always too much yeah. everywhere we go. It's true. Always too much. But, like... Who I am, is it enough? Mm. Is that is it what this part of the world wants? Mm. Are they ready mm. for who I am and like how vocal I am and my talent mm -hmm. and what I know? And even what I know, is it relevant in this environment? Because mm -hmm. so many times I was like, like, especially moving as an adult and like you've had so many experiences, you've had your education. Mm -hmm. I moved with my master's mm -hmm. and coming here, I, I just had a diploma. So like that's the lowest education mm -hmm out of all the education but that's the one i'm using because mm. that's the one i i acquired here wow. right so it's like what are you doing mm. but at the same time like s some people back down and me for one like I'm, this is th that's why I, like this is my pet project because yes. i'm like this is the only way i can actually create a space mm -hmm. for people who look and sound like yes. me and this is the only way we can talk about these things these are things that we go through every time but yes. there's no voice and there's no word there's no language mm -hmm. to talk about it outside yeah. so how can we do that yeah. like this is the only place and this is like a safe space this is our diary yeah and that's what this space is for so like i'm so proud to hear how you're using your voice and you're using your platform to do to do these things so like i'm just curious like do we have like some things where we can say, okay, this is what, yeah, you've told us what you do mm -hmm. and all of that. But like, how can people benefit from this? How can people support? How can we be a part of it? Because sometimes we're hearing this thing, but it feels like it's there, but it's still far away. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. How can we benefit from this? How can we insert ourselves into what Wezo Africa is doing for the community. Yeah, it's important to support by coming out to the events. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, like in 2019, when we had the production at the Arts Commons, it's the third largest um, arts building in, in Canada. Um, so we had this production, Unganisha, there, and their goal was bring more black people to our space. Mm. You know, it's a space that has a lot of symphony orchestra, has a lot of, um, you know, musical events, um, singing events, um, theater, but we don't see a lot of your people in our space and we don't know why. So mm. can you bring this production 
to this space. We'll, you know, give you a discount. We'll help you promote. It'll be like a um, co-production with us, but just bring your people here. So we're like, okay, sure, let's do that. Second production, we did. We brought people there. The, the, the board members and those who were working there were shocked to see that many black people in their space. <laughs> and we had to. And the reason is, if your programs and your events is not speaking to us and making us feel like it is um, something that we can gain from, something that we can enjoy, something that is true to who we are culturally or has a fragrance of something that could make us learn. We wouldn't want to be part of that. If it's not something that's black focused or black story, black experience, or anything that really would help us to be able to understand what this is about. If it's something that's not something we're used to, we wouldn't want to come, mm. right? So the fact that the production had a year before that time, it was great to be able to see that and have people come from the community. Some people we knew, some people we didn't know. Some people came from Lethbridge, Edmonton, Red Deer, um, Fort McMurray drove down in a blizzard to be in that space. Mm. People, black people or black white people? Black people. Okay. Black people. Yeah. <laughs> in a blizzard. Wow. <laughs> but because they understood that it's an interesting storyline, mm -hmm. having enslaved Africans coming abroad. Some of them died, millions of them. Of course, yeah. Some of them died in the passage and then being dropped off all over the place. Mm. And the rhythm in their bodies what they could remember, and they kept passing that down from one generation to another now, created these amazing genres of dance. That's not something that is readily available on the internet. Mm. So a production company created something for us that celebrated our resiliency, advocated for us, and also gave back the origins of where these dance forms came from. So those who are, I won't want to say that word, let me find a different word, profiting, from the dance forms now could also understand where it came from if they didn't know. Mm. So it kind of gave our voice back. So who wouldn't want to come and support and be in that space? Mm. So it's important to look for events that really speak to who you are and what you're interested in going to, even if it's a white person that created the event. They want you in their space. They want you in their space. They just don't know how to get you in their space. But because we're so reluctant to go, we continue to miss out on really amazing events and programs and activities that will really infuse us and give us that cohesion with other organizations and other people in the community, mm. right? Our yeah. production has probably like 60% black people, but the other 40 people are curious. Mm. There are other races. They're curious. People on stage dancing, 80% of them are non-blacks. Which is weird. Yeah, like dancing African, dancing, you're not even African. <laughs> Because, like, because our, our, our parents are not putting us in dance. They don't mm. think that dance is important or art is important. They want you to be a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant, and just basically make money. They think dance is a, a, a very um, impoverished <laughs> type of art form or career pa pa uh, pattern. It's not a professional-looking space for you to be saying, oh, I'm an artist, oh, I'm a singer, I'm a musician, I'm a comedian. I'm a, a fashion designer. Mm. To them, it seems like you're just wasting your life. Yeah. Go and become something that will make you money. Something that you can be, we can be proud to say, my son is a doctor, my son is a lawyer, my daughter is a, an accountant. That's what they prefer, right? So it's really interesting because 
my parents were never like that. They supported my love of dance, my love for the arts. And, you know, when I started growing in my artistry, they were seeing the growth and they were seeing the community celebrating my growth. And it made them feel happy because they did not stunt my growth. They were not against it. So my, my answer to your question would be for us to go out of our comfort zone, go out of our church, go out of our family, go out of our friends, and actually go and learn. Look for events that are happening that might pique your interest and go and enjoy it. Mm. At least try something once. A lot of immigrants who are here now, they don't come out to our events. Mm. <laughs> they don't. Yeah, I get that. I remember we were at an event one time and you were like so where is everybody yeah like why don't they come out and everything i was like yeah but i'm gonna play devil's advocate here as an immigrant woman it's like sometimes it's just like everybody has a job mm -hmm. that they are doing in order for them to to fend for their kids mm -hmm. and for them to take care of themselves so how are we going to be able to find like you're coming back because back home like using my own self as an example mm -hmm. back home when my kids go to school they do all the activities in school mm -hmm. they do piano they do swimming they do the whole track and field mm -hmm. thing they do everything in school but here the only thing they do in school is normal school yes. they, that's if they even learn anything yes then when you come home you're the one that will now continue you take your kids to kumon you take your kids to, to swimming lessons yes. you take your kids to piano lessons and the rest of them so like how do you how are black people supposed to find because the struggle continues we keep moving we're trying to hustle we're trying to make money and like everything is expensive mm -hmm. for you to be able to pay for those things you have to be able to work for them mm -hmm. and like it's almost like you're working to pay bills so how do we how are we able to to go out hustle yeah. in order to and then still have the energy to infuse ourselves in those spaces and take up space there has to be a work-life balance. Yeah. I, I am a second, is it first or second generation? First generation. I'm a first generation immigrant. Mm -hmm. And I did it. I'm a single mom. I've been a single mom for over 14, 15 years. Right? Mm -hmm. um, my kids were in public school same way. They would go to school and just learn the normal curriculum, you know, English, math, science, etc. Then I have to take them to extracurriculum activities so um dance classes swimming classes kuman all those things i've done right you have to make time for your kids to also experience the world mm. so taking them to the you know calgary zoo um taking them to a mall and just walking around you don't have to shop just give them experiences outside of the home and church and just family mm -hmm. it's really important um find you know cheap um, activities to do that has a grouping for families um, like back then I don't know back then but the Glenbow Museum is now you know up for renovation so they've been closed for a while but every Thursdays they had like a free day bring mm. your family in check out all the beautiful artwork take a look at it and whatever some organizations have like um, promos that they give people that are low income right and it would discount the amount so you're not paying two three hundred dollars mm. those type of opportunities to be able to have that free space to gather with other people outside of your home and church and family and be in a space to learn and get your children to have those experiences is very important yeah field trips is great for them but not when they're not spending time with you as their parent mm -hmm. right those experiences frame their thinking my children are grateful because a lot of things I've brought to them outside of just the home 
has really shaped them to who they are now. They they understand the arts. They understand activities. They understand, you know, seeing things that would not be seen before because they have that access. You have to make time for for play. Mm-hmm. You can't just be hustling and hustling and hustling for what? You truly don't gonna grow. You miss those opportunities to gather with them and have the building as a family outside of what they know. Um, and it's great because they get to see the world and get to experience it with you as their parents. So yeah, that that excuse that I hear a lot of immigrants, oh, we work so hard. Everybody else works so hard, but why do they make so much time for other things outside of the community? Mm-hmm. Right? You have to make time for it. You have to make conscious time for it. Even if it's once every three months, do something mm-hmm. that would be able to get you to realign yourself, understand the country that you're in, the communities that you're in, um, see other countries and communities outside of your community so you can understand them better. You know, go to all these shows like they have, um, what do you call it, Circus Olay. Go there. They have all these um, circus, you know, people that do circus. Go yeah. there. Bring your children. You get, they get to see people flying on, you know, thin ropes and mm-hmm. riding bicycles on, on, a, on a plank. And that to them is like, wow. And they will never forget such um, experiences with you. So it's really important to just not just be comfortable and be like work, come home, church, come home, work. It's it's redundant mm-hmm. and it doesn't build you as you're here in this community. Grow, learn, go to Banff, go to check out the gondola, you know, um, walk around, be able to just see the beauty of this country and not just be stifling yourself at home. Mm-hmm. And then in the midst of all of that, how do you also now find time to create um, space for you to be able to go for these activities that are brought out by black people, like like those shows and all of that. Like all of these are things that we have to do. Yeah. And then how do you find, find because some of them are done like weekdays. Yeah. So in the midst of all of this, you still have to carve out, like how do you leave the kids and say, oh, I'm going for maybe the Calgary arts are doing something. I bring so my Africa kids. is doing something. I bring my kids. As long as it's not naked people on stage or right. swearing, yeah. I bring my kids with me and I always done that. Um. And being a, a, a director of an organization, a founder of an organization, you also have to like network. So you're going to all these networking events, trying to network and let people know what you do, get them to know you um, personable. So, you know, seeing you on TV or seeing you, um, in, you know, on those sponsored ads is not good enough. You want to have a conversation with them. You want them to hear you. You want to you want to learn about them, too, and get their business card. I had a like 300 plus business card at a point. Oh my goodness! I've not been able to get over get through mine. Like so many people, I'm like, hey, I'll I'll shoot yeah. you an email, but I've not been able yep. to. Like it's just it's hard. You have to right yeah. as soon as you get home, just quickly shoot an email, see if you can book a meeting with them if you're interested in whatever they're serving. Mm-hmm. But you miss those opportunities to gather because you don't know who they know that can help you out in your next next step that you're trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you have to carve time for it. You know, Black History Month is very busy. I'm not going to lie. There's so four weekends in this month. I think five this year because of the leap year. Mm-hmm. Five. Yay. After four <laughs> years, we got five. More. Anyways, <laughs> you have to find time. There's so many amazing, amazing programs and events that are happening that are educational, mm-hmm. that are um, fundamental, that would really, really ground you and you get to meet really amazing people. And it's not even being... Um, only held by black people, black organization, other organizations are creating space for that too. So it's great to be able to go to those spaces and check them out. Um, Calgary Foundation um, has um, an event calendar that showcases a lot of Black History Month events. Check that out and see which ones you can go to. Some of them are free, Hmm. right? Some of them are free. So it doesn't even have to be a cost 
issue in terms of not being able to access the space because of you know financial constraint but yeah make the time you know as a business owner you have to be out there you have to constantly be able to see people um communities and build with them and be able to connect with them in a different level because you're selling something that is important for them like our uh, black arts development program we have one coming for up for script writing and actors development it's free when um, coming up um, in March, but we have the application ending on February the 19th for the actors and August, uh, April the 5th for the actors. So this is the second time we're doing that. The first time was in 2021. We had about 33 participants who we developed for script writing and actors. So because of the fact that we didn't see a lot of script writers and actors who are black in the city of Calgary, and we're part of this 3550 initiative that's supposed to support, you know, um, BIPOC women and people in theater. So we wanted to support that work by creating a space for black people to be in theater. So we decided to do this program in 2021. It's free. We trained um, 33 participants. It was a, on a Saturday, three hours each Saturday. They got to learn from very amazing industry leaders in script writing and actors development. And after they finished, they got $500 per person. Oh, so good. we paid them to develop yeah. them and train them. And a lot of those who have done that program in 2021, we're seeing them acting now on stage in theater shows. Companies that were looking for black people, they have them now because of our program. So the next one is coming up and we wanna make sure that a lot of people know about it because it's free. You just, you're just basically taking the time to learn and getting paid for your time. And then you can use whatever you've learned to continue your journey in the artistry. So that's the next plan. And we're hoping that more people come out and um, take advantage of the opportunities because it's not something that's readily available in the city. Mm, that's awesome. So now for people who do not live in the city but plan to move, like immigrants that are, they have it at the back of them because immigrants are constantly yeah. coming Every time you're like, oh, they, they just put the, the, I don't even know the name again, nomination or something yeah. like that. And then there are new people in the city. How can they benefit and put themselves without actually getting themselves in trouble? Because where we're coming from, I speak as a Nigerian. We're like, ah, I don't want to put my mouth to this kind of issue because I'm just an immigrant. I don't want to be removed from this part. And one thing I have also noticed is we are we are black and we're loud mm -hmm. but at the same time there's some people you're like i don't really want to be found because there are some things people would complain about here mm -hmm. but for me it's not really something mm -hmm. because of where like where in nigeria there's so many languages yeah and like we're already divided mm -hmm. there and so you're coming here and you're used to that division. Mm. And then maybe you hear somebody say something. People don't really know how to pronounce my name back home. Mm. I know the way people spell my name, like people from other cultures who spell my name. And I'm like, even here, like people from other mm. cultures, I know the way they spell. I'm like, that's not how you spell my name. Mm. So like, why would I expect a white person who doesn't, who has never even come in contact with my own culture mm. or my name to be able to spell my name. Mm. And then maybe somebody pronounces my name somehow and then somebody raises it like, you don't say that, you don't. Like, how do we create that space where people feel safe within us? Like, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to be part of this because mm. I don't want to get in trouble mm. as an immigrant. How do we create that space so that people, who, because I feel like people that are raised here, they're, oblivious of what we have to go through mm -hmm, mentally mm -hmm. and they're like okay yes i'm fighting for you like but like am i 
this fight, are you mm-hmm. sure it's really the right fight mm-hmm. for me? Are you sure you're not getting me in trouble? Mm-hmm. How do we navigate that? How do we put that together in order for us to be able to coexist mm-hmm. as people, second generation immigrants, first generation immigrants, people who have lived here all their lives and have their papers already, and people who are just coming, but mm-hmm. at the same time, they want to feel safe and they want to create nuance to the things that they go through as a new immigrant. That's an amazing question. Um, in 2021, um, I was asked by um, an organization in Vancouver that an organization in Calgary hired to co-produce a festival that they've been doing for seven years. Um, it's supposed to be like a moving festival, um, and it maybe it's been moving from Toronto to Nova Scotia, the different areas, provinces in Canada. So this time it's it's in Vancouver, but because of COVID, it has to be virtual. So mm-hmm. they asked me to present um, a presentation, PowerPoint presentation about African hair, mm-hmm. the importance of African hair. And I love mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I used to braid hair back in the day. Oh, cool. So I was able to um, put the presentation together and it was an hour um, online presentation. People joined from all over the place. We did what we had to do. We had a local um, hairdresser here, also, you know, with a mannequin, um, braid the hair and show them how to braid hair. So we talked about the importance of our hair, wigs, um, how our hair has moved from, you know, um, cornrows and the importance of cornrows hiding, you know, seeds and food when there was the passage and people were running away from slavery and they could unbraid the hair and cook the rice and at least have something to eat. So also having the cornrows look like a um, navigation map to uh, allow people to escape from um, their captives. So really important information about our hair and how our hair was um, has evolved to what it is now. So after having that um, first, you know, um, presentation in this anti-racism festival, um, the same day I was to have a panel discussion with people who were indigenous, uh, Asian, and myself. So um, I made sure that, you know, asking the organization to ensure that the safe the space was safe to ensure that I would not, you know, encounter any type of racist issues because it's an anti-racism festival and mm-hmm. they want us to share our lived experience about racism. So um, after I finished the presentation about the hair, three, four hours later, I was also be in a panel about um, my story on racism. Mm. So I got to that panel. It was online. Over 50-something people were joined in. Um, the indigenous person spoke about their experience with residential schools and all that has happened to indigenous people. The Asian person spoke about, you know, grandfather being part of the um, people who created the railway in Vancouver. And then it was my turn. So as soon as I wanted to start talking, just heard voices from the actual meeting saying my name, swearing at me and calling me the N-word. Why? I don't get it. Like, <laughs> This is an anti-racism festival. This is a panel to share stories about racism. Here I am, ready to say my story, mm-hmm. and I didn't have to say anything because people were talking for me. Exactly. Like, do you see that? Do you see what I go through? <laughs> and- wait, wait, wait. Online for that matter. Online on Zoom. Why? Do you know why? I, Have you been able to find an no, answer? No, no clue. Wow. Don't know how they got in because I I asked to make sure that, you know, everyone is safe. So they, whoever let them in, let them in into the Zoom space. And they waited for me. Hmm. They waited for me. They swore at me, said my name, and called me the N-word profusely. And they did this for at least a minute. 
and everyone was just looking stunned. Like, oh my goodness, we're here at an anti-racism festival trying to combat racism. It's the month of March. It's, you know, anti-racism month. You know, this it was anti-racism day. I think March 20th was the date. And, mm -hmm. you know, people were, that were there, the professors, dean of professors, teachers, community leaders, so many different people were in that space wanting to hear our story so they can hear how we can combat it. And here I am being abused. Wow. So the person just basically shut down the whole Zoom and everyone left mm -hmm. there traumatized. By this, by, by, there is a lawsuit happening with our organization, um, with Osuji and Smith, uh, my lawyers. Mm -hmm. So that is still being worked out, but it shocked me because it's still happening in Canada. Mm -hmm. Even after George Floyd's murder, yeah. here in Canada is still happening. What year did and you say this happened? 2021, three wow. years ago. And the worst thing, they were playing rap music in the background. <laughs> so they enjoy our culture, our yeah, music. Yeah, of course. Yet but, you're yeah. abusing a black woman while you're listening to such music. It was crazy. Hmm. So that's what I'm saying. When you ask that question about safe space, mm. that, that space was supposed to be safe. That space was supposed to be educational. That space was supposed to be sharing stories about our experience with racism and figuring out what we can do to help redress it. Here I am being abused in front of all the people that were supposed to be allies. Mm. And nothing could have been done. They just shut down the Zoom. So I'm just stunned. I don't even know <laughs> what to say. Like, yeah, I'm, ju I'm just, I'm totally like, I don't know. So wow. when you're asking that people, you coming there, you know, trying to, um, trying to integrate in the community and not knowing if this space is safe, not knowing if you're going to be, you know, um, um, attacked, um, maybe some racial, you know, condemnation or some discrimination will come out of people. You don't know that, but you are trusting that you're going there and you already did your due diligence to ensure that is this is this safe space you know am i going to go there and i'll feel good and i'll feel okay and i'll feel you know i'll feel protected and then that happens so you have to really know where you're going you have to know the organization do some background work see if they've had any issues previously um if you're with your own people it might be a different thing it could be oh your Kalaba, Yoruba, you know, you guys eat this, you guys, it could be that type of unnecessary rhetoric. But if you're with other people, other communities that you don't know how, how they receive people, you might not feel safe in that space because they have their own thinking of who you are just by looking at your skin color. That's interesting. So I, I think the answer to this is there is no safe space. You just have to test the waters. Yes. And then you have your own experience and be traumatized a little bit yes. and then you can know. If this space is safe yeah. and you got a lot out of it, you met people, you felt good, go back there. But if mm. you if you step in and you're feeling off, please leave. Right. Please leave. It's 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 good for your mental health. I know a lot of us black people, we don't like to talk about mental health. It's good for your mental health. You know, we suffer a lot back home. <laughs> so when you come here, you're like, I've mm. I've I've had everything, I've done everything, but this is a different type of push this is a different type of community environment this is a, a different type of racism mm. so how can we now us that we are trying to test the world how can we build a community around you because that's something i've also been trying to build like how can we build that our own community where we're sure 
that this is a safe or do you would you say you already have that safe space that safe community i do um alcove center for the arts is one safe space for me i like going to their events um it's, it's about the arts um and everybody's just there um focusing on just learning from each other and being in the space free of any type of like restraints you know you're just there you're just participating whatever they give you as an activity you do um that's a safe space um theaters going to theater shows they've done a lot of edia work in a lot of the theaters in calgary due to the george floyd's death and being held accountable by so many different organizations like the 3550 go there you're just gonna watch a show irrespective of who's sitting beside you you're just gonna watch a show. So safe spaces are there if you don't have to um, talk or participate in a way that you know you're putting yourself out there. Just be a body and be in that space mm. and enjoy whatever they give to you. Church is there. That's a safe space for a lot of people, and a lot of people it's not. Yeah. Right. Family is a safe space for a lot of people. Myself and my friends, we do like game nights, and we just call a bunch of ourselves and we just come and play games. That's a safe space because you know that you're just being with people you know and you'll be able to just have fun and be competitive and, and just play the game, mm -hmm. right? So you have to create your space, safe space that would allow you to be able to be yourself and also understand that you're bringing yourself fully in that space and letting people know who you are outside of what they see or who they, they think you are out there. A lot of people think I'm very stern and very um, serious, but Why I'm not. That? Why is that? I'm Why not. You... I'm always joking. I'm always laughing. Why do you think people think that's who you are? Because of my face. I have... <laughs> and you have such white teeth. You should smile more often. <laughs> I, have a, I, have a, I have a resting. Oh, right. You know what I mean? So yeah. people see that and they're like, ooh, mm -mm, don't, she doesn't look happy. She doesn't look like a fun and you know, happy person. But people know me. Mm. They know. You know what I mean? My kids know me. They're like, my mom. You know? And their, children, their kids, their friends too come to our house and they're like, oh, she looks so... And then I'm talking, they're like, whoa, she doesn't even seem that way. <laughs> but so don't judge the book by its cover. That's mm. what I'm saying. Go to those spaces and see for yourself. And if you don't feel comfortable, don't come back there. Mm. yeah i'm smiling i'm, <laughs> I'm a nice person <laughs> yeah she is she's been nice to me from the get-go so my own experience i have a positive experience and maybe because i'm also like not here though but mm. back home i used to be that person where when someone sees me like she's a snob mm. or she's this or she's that and i'm like i don't know i'm just i wouldn't say i'm not i'm not a snob i'm just anti i'm I, should I call it antisocial or socially awkward? Mm. I'm very social, socially awkward. Mm. I want to be a social person, but I'm so awkward when it comes <laughs> to being social or how to start those conversations. And then people just turn me to be a snob. Yeah. So maybe that's the reason why I'm like, I, I would go to talk to you until mm -hmm. I'm proven otherwise. Like yeah. if, if you if you then snob me, I'm like, okay, then this is who she is. Yeah. But like my experience with you has been very positive. I am a proper introvert. Yeah, people would never think that because like you're in the arts, you're all over exactly. the place. I'm like, you have no, I have to push myself to be out there and put myself out there and introduce myself and talk and be on stages and be on TV and be talking. I, it's it's a lot. It takes a lot out of me. And mm -hmm. so if I come and I'm in a space and you want to talk, come and say hi. I'll talk back to you. I'm a nice person. I just don't <laughs> in initiate. I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I totally get that. I can totally relate. <laughs> well, me with that. I would say thank you so much. Do you thank have you. anything on your mind that you would just like to talk about? Because this is your diary. So, 
Yeah. Um, life is what you make it. You know, you have one life. I believe, you know, you're not reincarnating, coming back into this life. You have mm. one life. So do your best to share your talents, your gifts and everything that's inside of you that you want to do because you don't want to live a life of regrets. So really push yourself to do what you want to do. I, I love Titi Lokbe Shonuga's story. Um, parents were forcing her, like, you have to get your education. You know, you can't come to Canada and not be educated and actually go to school. What do you want to do? And she decided to go into engineering. But she had the arts as something that she's always wanted to do. She fulfilled, got the degree, went and worked in an engineering firm. After that, she's like, I'm going back to Nigeria and I'm focusing on my poetry. And now she's a world-renowned poetry artist that's selling out in South Africa, Nigeria, U.S., and Canada. And she's doing amazing work in that, in that side of discipline of arts. So do not let anything stop you. If you want to fulfill whatever your parents want you to fulfill and you feel that it's like something that would not give peace in the family, do that. But then make that decision to do something you love because that's your purpose and that's your calling. So, yeah, that would be my suggestion for people. That's awesome. So we have this question or I have this question that I ask people um, every time on the on the diary. It's if like, is there something you wish you knew before buying that one way ticket? to come to Canada I didn't I have no choice my parents <laughs> brought me yeah after three days in Canada I'm like it's cold it was in October bring me back to Nigeria I don't mind the strike in the schools I don't mind the uncertainties take me back so yeah <laughs> it's a different case for me because I wasn't I wasn't coming as a university international student mm -hmm. um I was coming as a 10 year old child so you're almost a second generation. You're in between first generation and second generation. I wasn't born here, though. Yeah, but, like, you were very little yeah. and you were brought here. So, like, your parents brought you. You didn't You didn't make up your mind to come. No. It was just like, okay, this is what we're doing and we're doing it. Yes. So I would say maybe you're a first generation immigrant. Sorry, you, your parents were the first generation immigrant and then you're, like, the second generation. Mm -hmm. And then some way or well, some shape or form, you also fit in that first generation yep. immigrant with your kids as unique. a second generation. Very unique <laughs> position to be in. And then another question that we usually ask is, if you were to correct a bias, hmm. what, what, what bias do you think people usually have of black people? Because this is Black History Month, so I'm going to narrow it down to black people. What bias do you think of black people, using yourself as an example, do you think, and would you, how would you like to correct that? We are not a monolith. Mm. We're diverse. There are people from the Caribbeans. There are people from Africa. There are people from islands. There are people who are black. They don't know their um, inheritance. They don't know where they came from. They don't know their, um, um, you know, forefathers, generations back. They just know that they're black. So don't assume that we're all one. We're one skin color, but there's so much diversity in each person. So get to know them. Don't think you know it all. Get to understand who they are, where they came from, the language they speak, the food that they eat. What's their culture like? What's their music like? Do that individually. I don't like that. That's why we have the Africa is not a country, it's a continent. Because Africa has 54 countries and there's no way that you can group 54 countries in one. Mm. Um, one thing as a dancer, I hate the term West African dance because it terms 18 countries in one name. Mm -hmm. While 18 countries has thousands of dances, you're going to call one style of dance West African dance, which is just wrong. Yeah. 
Crusades, uh, Nigerian, Thank or you. South African, or Ghanaian. Yeah. Don't say West African. Yes. Because, yeah, there are so many countries in West Africa yes. as a whole. That's awesome. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, Rumi. It was so nice having you on the show. Thanks. And just listening to you and listening to your journey, your story. Thank and you. We hope we've been able to create a safe space for yes. you. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> and maybe sometime in the future, we should have you come back. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So, thank yeah, you. thank you so much, Ronnie, for just bringing me in here and um, allowing me to share and let people know about things that they might not know from someone that has had longer years in this country. Because I hear that a lot. Like, oh, how long have you been in Canada? Two years. What about you? 31 years. Like, ah, you're an ancient person here. I was like, <laughs> So it's good to be able to share and just look back at the journey and be able to give some tidbits on what can support other people who are new to this country. Thank you. Thank you for lending your voice Thank always. You. <laughs> okay, guys, that is our episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget to follow, like, um, share, rate us on all of your platforms. And Wumi, if people want to find you on social media, what's your social media handle? Okay, the company's social media handle is Wazo Africa, W-O-E-Z-O, Africa, A-F-R-I-C-A. Um, for myself, it's Unlimited Wums, U-N-L-T-D, underscore W-U-N-M-S on Instagram. Awesome. You heard that. You heard her. So go follow. <laughs> Until next time, guys. Bye. Bye. The Diary of a Niger Immigrant is proudly presented to you through Onyi's Lens. You can keep up with us on Instagram by following The Diary of a Niger Immigrant and through Onyi's Lens. Don't forget to rate, share, like, and drop a comment on topics you'd like us to discuss. And I'll see you on the next.